and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 50. Thanks for listening. That's right, number 50. The show can now get a senior discount at the movies or at hotels. Boy Scouts will help it across the street. Its descendants have to be kind to it and listen to all its rambling stories politely without uh, acting like they're bored. So, you know... It's a big milestone. How's everybody doing? In the news this week, Happy New Year! That's right, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, I will speak a little more softly because you might be nursing a New Year's Eve hangover. So I promise not to make any loud noises. Ah, I was just kidding. It's Sunday, January 1st, 2017, if you're listening to this on the day that it drops. If you're listening to it later, at some point before January 1 of 2018, well, it's still 2017, in case you couldn't do the math on that. That's why I'm here. That's why I have a podcast. So, how's the year going so far for you? Whatever that means. Matter of hours, matter of months, whatever. I hope it's going well. I hope you have not broken too many of your resolutions. Does anybody have any gaming resolutions out there? Stop lying about your score in Mega Mania. Confess your undying love for E.T. Admit that you don't know the difference between Pitfall and Jungle Hunt. You know, whatever it is. Get those... Uh, gaming concerns off your chest, and start 2017 fresh. That's my advice to you. Now a lot of news this week. Of course, we've had the holidays recently. I'm sitting here recording this after Christmas, but the tree is still up, looking very sad and purposeless right now. The debris from the Christmas Day carnage is still strewn around the room as I record. I am drinking a vodka ginger ale for no other real reason other than I happen to have both of those items in the house, which is unusual. So I thought, alright, I guess that's what I'm doing tonight. And I'm talking to you fine folks. So yeah, not a lot of news. I did get some feedback about the ongoing 
controversy that I created when in episode 47 I dared someone to prove to me that you could get 99 points in Skydiver as the manual for that game. Said that you could, I said, that's a bunch of garbage. I think on the last episode I told you about the tweet that I got from Jeff at 8-Bit Advocate on Twitter telling me that he had gotten 87 points just recently in Skydiver and thought that it was very conceivable you could get 99 points. I kind of hoped that was the end of the controversy because, of course, I could still claim to be right because 87, last time I checked. I know they teach math different in school now uh, than when I was a kid. Believe me, I do. I have kids in school learning math now, and they bring me their math homework, and they're like, can you help me do this? And I have to say, uh, no, because I don't know what that huge pictograph thing you got on that page is to get to the answer number four. But it's not how I learned to do math. But anyway, I'm still pretty confident that even with the new math, 87, not the same number as 99. So I felt okay with saying, all right, Jeff, that's nice. You got 87 points. And it really is good. Uh, not to take away from that achievement, I don't think I could get 87 points. But it's not 99 points. So I could still sleep at night. But then, <sighs> but then, my nemesis... Sean, from Pie Factory, spoke up. And here's what Sean had to say. Bill, pardon me if I'm wrong, but did you question the possibility of getting 99 points on Skydiver? Or was that another game? No, it was Skydiver, Sean. You know it was Skydiver. Let's get it over with. And Sean says, If it was Skydiver, check this out. And he gives me a link to the Twin Galaxies website. Twin Galaxies, if you listen to Pie Factory or live in Chicago, you know that Twin Galaxies is a popular arcade there. And on their website, they have videos of people, I guess, trying to get high scores in games. So he posted a video of this dude. It's like, I think it was like a four or five minute video of him trying, not very many times, maybe three or four times, to play Skydiver, and you actually watch him progressively get more and more points in each try, till finally on the last attempt, he gets 99 points. Son of a bitch. Damn it, Sean. Do you have to be right about everything? I mean, in the last episode, you already proved that you can speak Latin, and you had to prove me wrong about this, too? Man, it's going to be a long 2017, isn't it? Anyway, Sean then says, Looking forward to the episode you just released. I downloaded it on Sunday, but you're free to sync my iPod. Uh, we'll get on that, Sean. See? See? Even Sean's not perfect. See? Yeah, I'm really grasping at straws. And I'm just kidding, anyway. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. I think I'm going to amend. I'm going to uh, retroactively change what I said in episode 47 to something like... I think it's a bunch of hogwash to think that anybody could get 99 points in Skydiver. By anybody, I mean me. Clearly, there are other people way more competent than me at Skydiver, and probably lots of other things, who could do better. So, you hear me, world? I'm admitting it. You can get 99 points in Skydiver. Ah, oh, that felt good. See, it was kind of like, kind of like uh, fulfilling a New Year's resolution. To admit when I am wrong. Feels good, doesn't it? You out there listening at home, or in your car, or whatever, uh, admit to something that you're wrong to. Um, but not if your spouse is there, because that would be silly. All right. In other news... Oh, by the way, thank you for the email, Sean. I was giving you a hard time, but I really do appreciate it when you write in. And I hope that you write in many, 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 many more times. 
in 2017. I also kind of hope now that I get to go to Twin Galaxies sometime and chew out whoever put that video on the website because I know they did it just to mess with me. Paranoia Podcast, coming in 2017. Alright, so what was I talking about? Oh yeah, I was talking about how I don't have a whole lot more to talk about in the way of news. So, without further ado, on to this week's game. Galaxian Warriors, today we're going up against the most feared commander. And everyone counts. Even you quid. Man your ships. Man your ships. Man your ships. We're going in. Zoom attack formation. All wings ready, sir. Okay, I'm peeling off. Cover me. Cover me. Hunter on that blue leader. Heavy fire. 17 degrees. Affirmative. This guy's good. Watch your back. We lost blue leader. I'm hit. Who's left? Quid. No. That's right, we're playing Galaxian, the Atari port from 1983. If you look at the manual for Galaxian, you start out with, eh, not really a story, more like a little, um, setting the scene. Section 1, Notes from the Commander. Welcome aboard the Missile Laser Base, which might be the vaguest, most generic space battle title ever. They couldn't call it, like, Galactic Command or Galaxian Hater Central or something. They went with calling it literally what it is. Missile Laser Base. Alright. I'm Commander Champion, your training instructor. These laser bases are used to protect our universe from, uh, from alien attacks. Each laser base carries missiles which you'll launch from your control panel. In your first training mission, you'll be battling an age-old threat, the Galaxian Fleet, which has thrived on war and terrorism for centuries. Together, we must destroy these warmongers to maintain peace and tranquility over the universe. Before we go into action, let's talk about Galaxian battle tactics. The Galaxian fleet always flies in formation. As one ship descends from the extreme right or extreme left, it drops deadly bombs and then returns to original position. The Galaxian leaders, flagships, are usually flanked by protective escorts. The best way to get them is to first destroy the escorts then go after the flagship. Alright, so that's the setup. It's pretty obvious at that point what your, what your objective for the gameplay is, but they tell you anyway. The object of the game is to destroy the Galaxian fleet before they blast your laser base to Stardust. Stardust being uh, a very good book by Neil Gaiman. Uh, that was completely random, non sequitur. Anyway, the fleet lines up in ranking order before plunging down to bombard your laser base. If a Galaxian survives a bombing run, he returns to his original position. You begin the game with three laser bases and score points for each Galaxian destroyed with your laser missiles. You earn extra points for destroying a Galaxian in flight, and at 7,000 points, you receive a bonus laser base. Ah, that answers a question that I will have later in the field report, spoiler, about why I got an extra laser base. So there you go. The Galaxian fleet attacks in waves. Each time you manage to destroy an entire wave, Another fiercer wave is launched. I'm using the joystick with this game. I'm not going to read that part by now. For God's sakes, you should all know how to hold the joystick. And I can't bear to read the instruction that says, Hold the controller with the red button to your upper left. Damn it! I read the instruction. Ah, oh, that's frustrating. Ah, another resolution for 2017. Don't get frustrated. Although, the current state of affairs in America, it's going to be really hard to do that. Anyway, use your joystick to slide your laser base right and left across the bottom of the screen. Press the red fire button to launch your laser missiles at the Galaxian fleet. And we all know how the game select switch works. There are nine skill levels. Skill level is the same as the wave number displayed in the lower right corner of the screen. 
Atari Galaxian game includes nine skill levels, as I said, each offering varying degrees of challenge. Level one is relatively slow and easy. Level nine is fast and difficult. The higher the skill level, the faster and harder the Galaxian fleet attacks. And even in 1983, they were still telling you about the TV type select switch for color black and white TVs. Although I just thought it's not so weird. I think when I was that, oh, in 1983, I think we had a black and white TV. Uh, not the main TV, but like, I think we had a little TV in the kitchen actually. And I think it was a black and white TV. Anyway, the left difficulty switch determines your laser based fire and response mode. Set the difficulty switch to B and hold the fire button down for continuous firing. So the difficulty switch to A and use your thumb to tap the fire button each time you want to fire a missile. The point value of a Galaxian is determined by its rank and position in the lineup. Drones, the lowest rank, are green, emissaries are purple, escorts are red, and flagships, the highest rank, are white. You score double points for destroying a Galaxian in flight. Destroy a flagship in flight and you score even more bonus points. See figure 1 for rank and point values, which you can't do because this is an audio podcast. Your score appears at the upper right side of the screen. The attack wave is indicated by the number in the lower right corner of the screen. The number of the laser bases remaining is indicated by the laser bases shown at the left corner of the screen. Lower left corner of the screen. Helpful hints. Warning! Sometimes exploding particles from a destroyed red escort are deadly. Shoot escorts red members of the Galaxian fleet only when they are escorting a flagship. Shoot the flagship only in flight. Doing this will help you score higher points. Study the Galaxian attack patterns, that way you'll know what to expect from each member of the Galaxian fleet. If you need a rest while fighting waves 1 and 2 of the Galaxian attacks, go to the extreme right or extreme left of the screen for a few seconds. During the higher level waves, stay away from the others, from the corners, to avoid being trapped by a Galaxian. Alright. That is how you play Galaxian. One nice thing I just happened to think of about Galaxian is that you don't have that whole controversy over what, how to pronounce it, right? With Galaga or Galaga or Galaga or whatever, you have many, many uh, options for how to pronounce it, and nobody agrees on what it should be. Kind of like GIF and JIF and, you know, Bob. So... Galaxian doesn't have that problem. It's pretty much Galaxian. So there's that. Whatever else you think about the game. Galaxian started its life as an arcade game developed by Namco and released in October 1979. Published by Namco in Japan and imported to North America by Midway in December of 79. It was highly popular upon release and has been a focus of competitive gaming ever since. There was a successful sequel, the before-mentioned Galaga? Galaga? Um, I'm going to go with Galaga, because that's how I've always said it. I don't know if that's right or not. You don't have to yell at me about it. I I get that there are different ways to pronounce it. Unless you happen to know that, like, Mr. Namco himself, or herself, has proclaimed from on high the, what the proper pronunciation is. If you happen to know that, let me know. Galaga came out in 1981. Gaplus and Galaga 88 came out in 1984 and 1987 respectively, which is odd, as well as many later ports and adaptations. Along with the immediate sequel, it was one of the most popular games during the golden age of arcade video games. It expanded, as is pretty obvious when you look at it, expanded on the formula pioneered by Space Invaders. You have a horde of attacking aliens. In contrast to Space Invaders, Galaxian 
added an element of drama by having the aliens periodically make kamikaze-like dives at the player's ship, the Galaxip. This made it the first game to feature enemies with individual personalities. The game's plot consists of a title screen that displays the message, We are the Galaxians. Mission, destroy aliens. I added the eerie robot voice. I hope you weren't freaked out. Galaxian was very successful for Namco and introduced several firsts. Although not the first color video game, Galaxian took RGB color graphics a step further with multicolored animated sprites and explosions, different colored fonts for the score and high score, the scrolling star field, and graphic icons that show the number of lives left and how many stages the player has completed. It also features a crude theme song and more prominent background music. These elements combine to create a look and feel that would set the standard for arcade games in the 1980s, such as Pac-Man. I kind of summed all that up in my field report by basically saying that the game looks really cool. It feels more arcade-like than a lot of Atari ports do, and I appreciate that when I play it. Galaxian was one of the most widely pirated motherboards during the early 80s. Numerous hacks were made of the game and featured slightly redesigned enemy characters and special bonus stages. The Squirreling Starfield and Death Explosion were still familiar as those from Galaxian, however. These hacks included Galaxian Part 4, Galaxian Part 10, Galaxian Turbo, and Super Galaxians. Not to mention the rarely remembered Bill and Ted's Galaxian Adventure, and the somewhat less popular but cult favorite Bill and Ted's Bogus Galaxian Journey. I might have made those last two up. Video Magazine in 1982 reviewed the Astrocade version of Galaxian named Galactic Invasion, noting that the graphics were inferior to the coin-op and PC versions, but praising the play action as magnificent compared to other console versions. The Astrocade version would later be awarded a Certificate of Merit for Best Arcade to Home Video Game Translation. At the 4th Annual Archie Awards, I don't know anything about these awards, but the Certificate of Merit sounds a little bit to me like when kids get trophies for participation now. But that's just me. Arcade Express reviewed the Atari 5200 version in 1982 and scored it 7 out of 10. Home Computing Weekly in 1983 gave the Spectrum version of Galaxian 3 out of 5 stars, describing it as a well-written version and praising the graphics as fast, although flickery. Softline in 1983 criticized the Atari 8-bit version of the game for being shipped on cartridge, which raised its cost, and stated that this game becomes tedious very quickly. Famicom Tushin... That can't be how you say that. Anyway, in 1985, I scored the Game Boy version of the game a 24 out of 40. Galaga was the most popular of the successors, and actually became more popular than the original. Gapless came out in 84, as I noted. As with Galaga, this was a fixed shooter with limited vertical movement, like Centipede. However, by 1984, the novelty of Space Invaders formula faded, and it was no longer successful. Galaga 88, as I said, was released in 87, and imported to North America by Atari. And a fifth and final game, Galaga Arrangement, was released as part of the Namco Classic Collection Volume 1 in 1995. Galaxian has been ported to Apple II, Atari 400-800, Atari 2600-5200, Bailey Astrocade as Galactic Invasion, ColecoVision, Commodore VIC-20, Commodore 64, Dreamcast, Game Boy, IBM PC, Mobile Java, MSX in Europe and Japan, Tendo, something called ZX Spectrum, Coleco released a standalone mini-arcade tabletop version of Galaxian, and it sold a crap ton of units, along with Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and Frogger. A port for Game Boy Color was planned, but never released. Uh, it's been released on a bunch of other collections for PlayStation and Wii and Nintendo. Uh, it's all over the place. So there you go. It's a popular game. 
and I can see why. Spoiler from my field report, I kind of like this one. So I think it's appropriate now after the break that we get our Galaxion. Beldar, I couldn't wait to get back to Space Dock and tell you about this awesome girl I met out near the Crab Nebula. She'd be perfect for you, Beldar. Her name is Primat, and she's awesome. I think you guys should go out. I'll get you her number. Now, there's one thing you should know. She's a little bit of a cone head, but then so are you. What? What? I didn't mean anything by it. You have a cone-shaped head. Hey, come back. Come back. So, when I put Galaxian in to play it for this field report, I was struck by really how... Oops. Really how cool this game looks. Obviously, it's Space Invaders uh, kicked up several notches. Um, you have the dive bombing, Galaxians, the, the marching lines of invaders move a little faster. You still can't make your ship go vertically. You can only go left and right. But that's alright. There's enough going on in this game that I find it very entertaining. I have it set on continuous fire. The difficulty switch on B, I believe. That seems to be working okay for me. Although I did lose a guy kind of stupidly when I was chatting with you folks. One more guy on the screen. No. Oh, yes. Cleared the board. Ooh, not much preamble. I'm doing that thing where you hide in the corner. Uh, if you hide in the left or right corners, you get a couple of seconds of them not bugging you. you rest your thumbs. I even like the sound. It's very uh, 80s arcade to me. This actually does strike me. I don't really remember exactly what Galaxian looked like in the arcade, but the look of this Atari port uh, feels very arcade-like to me. hiding. Oh, okay. Come on to level three. Ooh, it's a little tougher. Oh, ship number two is down. No, you won't take me alive. Literally, I guess, because they blow you up, and that's how the game ends. It's not like you walk away and go have coffee or something. At Galactic Central.
Come and get me. Hey, I'm doing pretty well. Level four. I got lucky there. You couldn't see it, but it was an awesome maneuver on my part. Just trust me. Level five. Got an extra ship somehow. Oh, good thing, because I just blew up. I guess I should read the manual and figure out how you get an extra ship. Must be a points thing. I didn't think I had that many points. That's it. Oh, just short of 10,000 points. If anyone can beat that, I dare you. I'm just kidding about that. I learned my lesson with the Skydiver episode. Uh, alright, back to you in the studio. As I said right before the break, I like this game. I don't know that I would sit and play it for hours and hours and hours, but it is a fun little kind of addictive diversion. It looks really good, the colors are good, the sound is good, feels very arcade-like to me. So, yeah, so I think it's a good game for the early 80s. So, you know, good on you, folks in Japan. But, of course, we don't just talk about the uh, the playability or lack thereof of these games on Atari Bytes. We want to know what's really going on here. What's up with Commander Champion and her laser missile base? Her very, you know, crappily named laser missile base. For one thing, how are you going to hide it? You know, if you work, you know, at work, you you go, after work, you go to the bar with na with a name like the library or the office or something. So if anybody asks, you can say, eh, I'm just going to the library, but really you're going to go drink. If you're a military installation, especially a galactic one defending the whole universe, you don't call your laser missile base, laser missile base. You call it uh, Home Depot or Pizza Hut or grandma's house or something right silly galactic army so what's up with all this how did we get here well i think that means it's story time commander champion was nervous but she gave the order clean house she said use the laser missile i commander i said going on about my business one eye on the commander the whole time i gotta say though it went better than expected that was the introduction by the way now we have some rising action we advanced a little bit deeper into the perimeter Commander surveyed everything. A lot of debris here, I said. She nodded and said softly, Memories, too. Our activity unearthed another wave of invaders. We were set upon by scores of skittering creatures, angry at our disruption. They were dispatched. Commander stayed pretty cool. Okay, now we're getting to the climax, the peak of the story, if you will. It was only once we'd fought our way back into the old headquarters that the commander seemed to lose her nerve. She wouldn't give the order to go in. It wasn't the mighty fortress it had once been. It was decimated by years of abuse 
followed by more years of neglect. Too many memories buried in there, she said. I can't bear to disrupt it. Respectfully, I pressed her. We need to do this. It's time to go. There were tears then, though she tried to hide them. I didn't blame her. No one did. Things had just gotten out of hand. Commander, I said gently. She took a moment, looked around, collected herself, and gave the order. We went inside. Well, not all of us. The commander just sat. I can't do it, she said. Okay, here's the falling action. Where the ramifications of the climax going into the headquarters are finally felt. The remaining waves of invaders were put down. What material could be salvaged from the headquarters was collected and boxed up. The rest of it, we tossed. The commander seemed to die a little bit inside with each piece left behind. I went back outside. The commander was sitting to one side, flanked by two other people I didn't recognize. Commander, I said. Don't call me that, she said. Not anymore. The war is over, and I lost. I shook my head. No, it's just a new beginning. She scowled at that. Well, my name is Bernadette. I knew that. I had known for a while. In fact, this was my fourth trip to Bernadette's house, though she never remembered me. The neighbors were constantly filing complaints about her unmoved, junk-filled yard and the stink of feral, filthy cats and vermin scurrying around. Bernadette, usually off her meds, would sometimes scream for hours, shouting orders at her imaginary intergalactic army, compelling everyone to return to Laser Missile Base. Finally, the orders had come through to clean up this property and get Bernadette to safety. No, Bernadette, you didn't lose, I said. You finally have a shot to win. Bernadette smiled a little but it was a sad sort of smile. Mission accomplished, Commander, I said, and saluted. She kind of half-waved. Her smile did brighten a bit. She even gave me a thumbs up, which I then returned. She climbed awkwardly into a van with the two gentle, if dour, strangers. I never saw her again after that. I hope she's doing okay. As for me, well, I have a bunch of cats now, so that's a thing. They chase crinkly cat toys and pounce at birds flying around outside. No attempts at intergalactic conquest, yet. The universe appears to be safe. Well done, Commander Champion. And that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, including Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, where you should leave a review. Never mind quitting smoking, or starting an exercise program, or acknowledging your relatives. Let your New Year's resolution be to leave a review on iTunes. You can also support the show financially in the new year at the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes merchandise at Zazzle.com. Have thoughts or comments? Email me at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can even send an audio submission if you want, if you don't feel like typing, and I will try to work it into the show. You can like the Atari Bytes Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And of course, don't forget to check out my other podcast, It's a Podcast, Charlie Brown, for all your animated Peanuts gang needs. New episodes drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. Adventure. Because adventure has only one name, and it's... the uh, Adventure. So, until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Thank you.